Good morning, church. Come on. We are in the series, We Are the Church. And if you would open your copy of God's Word to 2 Timothy, we are the church. So I'm going to say we are the church because of who Jesus is. We cannot be quiet. This isn't a private thing. There's no such thing as private faith that doesn't go public. There's no such thing as authentic faith that we keep to ourselves. Never before have we lived in a nation where our culture everywhere around us is screaming, enough about the church, enough about Jesus, enough about the Bible. We're going to tell people what's right and wrong. And here's the truth. Our voice must grow louder when it is being stomped out and muted, when we are being shut up. All the more, the church rises up. The church is bold. The church is loud. We don't live a quiet faith. We live a, a loud faith. And I don't know where you're at right now. I'm not assuming that everybody in this room is part of the church. And so what I just what I just suggest to you strongly is that if you are not part of the church, today is a great day to give your life to Jesus. To say, I'm all in, fully committed. I want to be forgiven. Jesus, I trust you. And I want to be part of this community. And today could be that day. And for some of us, we walked in with a lot of doubt and a lot of questions. And I pray that God would provide us with answers about what we are to be doing in this world. And so if you have your outline, if you have your copy of God's word and you want to get ready, here is our main message for this series. We are the church. We've talked about we are devoted. Somebody say we're devoted. If we're the church, we are united. We're united. Somebody say united. We do this together, not solo. We do this in unity. We are united. And then today, Here's part of our calling is that we are messengers. We are messengers. What message you ask? I'm glad, I'm glad you asked because today we're going to get some answers as to what message are we to be carrying? What message does the world need now more than ever? What message should be on the tip of our tongue at all times? And it starts here that we are a church of unapologetic preaching. We don't apologize for what God says. We're not embarrassed and we're not ashamed. We are messengers of his word and we speak it not as if it's our opinions, but that it's fact that this is God's truth and that we are proclaiming somebody else's message. We received it. We just pass it on. We are repeating and heralding what somebody else gave us to herald, to proclaim, to preach and preaching the word is what we're going to be looking at today. What does that mean? Whose job is that? What does that sound like? What does it look like for us on a daily basis? Part of this message is me preaching to me. Somebody say that's weird. Yeah, that's super weird, right? So I'm going to start off preaching to myself if you want to listen in. But then there's a participation in this that unites us, that we're devoted to this word. So verse 1 of 2 Timothy 4. Here we go. I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus. That's a good start, right? In front of God and Jesus Christ, I am challenging you to this. To what? Well, first of all, we got to understand it's, it's in the eyes of the judge, the living of the dead, that we are being challenged here, not just the church there in Ephesus that Paul is writing to young Timothy, the future pastor of this church that he's passing the baton on to, but he's saying, this is so sobering. This is so serious. We're talking about a challenge where God is present, that he is the judge, and that by his appearing in his kingdom, this God, this God, this Jesus, King Jesus, he is the one that this is being proclaimed before and that even to this day, that in front of Jesus, he is hearing that his church is being challenged 
to this, verse two, to do what? To do what? Uh, this is for me first, because Paul's talking to Timothy, a pastor. So this is the pastoral challenge, right? This is what I am being charged with. Preach the word. Preach the word. The day that I stop preaching the word, the day is a great day for you to say, I'm out of here. I'm done. When I'm done with the book, you're done with this church, and you're going to find another church that is going to be committed to proclaiming and preaching God's word. When I start sharing my thoughts and my opinions, you say, later, preacher, finding a church that is actually going to preach the word, because that's what we're here for. That's what we unite around. That's what we're devoted to is the word. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with complete patience, absolute full patience and teaching. So the only problem of this charge is that for the past 2,000 years, every church has been called to this. Every pastor, every leader, every teacher has been called to this calling to preach the word. And the reality is every generation has a brand new opposition to this obedience. So what do we do? Anybody, anybody curious? What do we do instead of preaching the word? What does everybody on TikTok and YouTube and online, what is everybody doing instead of preaching the word? What are pastors and preachers doing for not preaching the word? Well, I got a, I got a few thoughts. Anybody want them? Okay. So I'm going to step aside. These are just a, a few of my observations, okay, outside of God's word, but it's in line with all the substitutes that get in the way of actually preaching God's word. Here's a few. If you're taking notes, instead of gospel preaching, instead of preaching the gospel, instead of preaching the truth, because our culture, every generation, every generation around the world, there is a growing desire for, we want relevance preaching. We want relevance preaching. We, we want something relevant. It's not relevant to me. When I show up to church, aren't you going to talk about my political thing? Or aren't you going to talk about kind of like my soapbox thing, the thing I get fired up about? Aren't you going to like hammer on the things that I get really excited about hearing? Aren't you going to like preach about my thing, my thing? Uh, preacher, can you be a little bit more relevant? Can you just speak into my generation? I mean, I, I know that you're talking and you're preaching the word, but um, you're not preaching my Gen Z, Gen Y, Gen X language. You, you got to preach what's relevant to me. Otherwise, I'm not I'm not listening. And guess what? You can go online and you can spend the rest of your life listening to all of the super relevant messages that are so helpful temporarily and they avoid the main thing, the biggest need of your life. And we love it. We love relevance preaching. What do we do? Well, if it's not relevance preaching, it's we want sugar-coated preaching. If you ever say a thing that sounds a little harsh or a little hurtful, uh, I think that there, there might be a problem here. Could, could you just sugarcoat it for me? I just want it to go down a little bit easier. I don't want you to like tell me the direct truth. Could we spend a couple years just easing into just baby steps? Could we just stick our, our little toe into something that maybe is just really comfortable for me to hear? And I, I don't think we're having any absence of preaching that says a lot of things and avoids the main things that says a lot of things about a lot of topics, but avoids the, the main topics because the primary topics that God wants to talk about are not necessarily super comfortable. Anybody agree? If, if you've done even a cursory reading of the scripture, uh, if you spend more than a couple chapters in the Bible, you're going to come across something of, ah! does it really say that? 
What? That is really harsh. That is really unloving. Are you allowed? Hopefully, I hope, I hope the church doesn't talk like that. I hope they don't say such things. I hope they don't, I hope they don't tell people that they're against certain things and that, that, that everybody's opinion is valid. And I, I hope that's not true that they would confront anybody with anything sugarcoated. There's a lot. There's a lot of that. Go anywhere, shop around. But what about this springboard? preaching springboard preaching one of the one of the issues that we they have as preachers and uh if you ever identify that I'm, I'm guilty of that go ahead and confront me in jesus name after the message okay uh if i ever open the bible and say well god just gave me a word and i'm gonna i'm gonna read one verse and then i'm gonna spend 40 minutes talking about kind of what i'm excited about and it loosely but not really connects to that verse but at least i open the bible and i read a verse Joel Osteen, and maybe if I just read one verse and then I give a positive motivational talk for a half hour, then then maybe, just maybe, then we could pack a stadium and it works. But the issue is God didn't give us a word so that you could grab a little piece of it, take it out of context, twist it, and then talk about your thing. He's kind of fired up about all of us talking about his thing and getting on his page and and proclaiming his message. And if he has a message, we better know what it is and we better know how to bring it in Jesus' name to preach the word. Uh, there was an old, old story. Everybody ready? The, the story goes in the early days of church planting that there was a, a Native American man that he came to a revival meeting. He came to a meeting where there was somebody on stage that was pretty fired up. He was doing cartwheels. He was doing side wheels. He was screaming. He was crying. He was putting on the theatrics. And, and at the end of the message, the, the man was walking out and somebody just said, sir, sir, what did, what did you think about the, the message? And he said, wow. And, and the other gentleman was like, I know, wow, right? And he said, no, wow. High winds, big thunder, no rain. Wow to what man can do. And wow, the dryness in the desert that remains because the soul needs to be watered. There needs to be a refreshment and only God brings that. Man can't bring that. Where does it come from? From preaching the Word. From preaching the Word. And I don't know about you, but... I get a little fired up when I think about all that is at stake that if we don't preach the word, what in the world are we doing? What are we saying to people if it's not what God already said? Do you see it? Verse 2, preach the word, preach the word. And he clarifies, what are we supposed to do with the word? And what, what faces us as we go out to obey this word? Well, Paul includes seven specific ways in which the church is to preach the word. It starts where? It starts where? Point to where it starts. It starts with me. It starts with our leadership. It starts with our, our preachers. It starts with what we do collectively here. And if, it, if the furnace goes out in the church, the work stops. Okay, the, the furnace of preaching the word isn't the only work, but it's the central work that leads to the rest of the work continuing on. And if that stops, then we're in trouble. But how does God expect us to preach this word? Not just the preacher, but for all of us, here are some principles to take away. If you're taking notes, jot this down. How does God expect us to preach the word? Consistently. Somebody say consistently. Consistently. Consistent. Consistent. We are the church. We are the church. And we are ready every 
week. We're ready every week on Wednesday nights. We're ready every week on Sunday mornings. We're ready every single week in our weekly rhythms of where teaching and preaching occurs. Do you realize that in this room alone that there are quite a few people that are involved in being able to teach and be able to preach and to be able to proclaim and to be able to walk through Bible studies and disciple makers throughout our church that are opening God's Word and are helping people to see what's really there and they're preaching the Word. They're proclaiming the Word. Caruso is the word preach, to proclaim. And we have such a passion to be consistent, to be consistent with this, because this is what it says. Paul says, in season. When are you supposed to preach the Word? In season. Really, we could say, the times that proclaiming the Word is supposed to happen. We have weekly rhythms and even daily rhythms of hopefully that you have people in your life that on a daily basis are in the word and they're passing that word on to you. So whether it's in, quote unquote, the church building or outside that God's people are regularly, consistently in season. Another way we could say that too is under friendly circumstances and where it's safe. Do you believe that there was a time in our nation where standing up and proclaiming God's word was in season that we could say it was in style we could say that that even in the school system to the courthouse to anywhere that you go that people could just stand up and they could just proclaim the word and they could pray freely and they could open the bible do you believe that we have been at a place in the past where it was in season yeah we've had quite a few centuries of where it was much safer and in season and then welcome to post 2020 do you believe that there is a square inch within the United States where it is in season to proclaim God's word? Uh, no. In season, there's a time. Do you believe that it's a little safer with a, a classroom of students or kids to be able to open your mouth and proclaim God's word? There's receptivity, but, somebody say but. If we're going to look at the second word, this is going to help us. We need to be consistent where it's safe. We need to be faithful. So how do we do it? God expects us to preach faithfully, faithfully. So let me say faithfully, faithfully, because we're the church and we are faithful under fire. What does the next phrase say? Paul is so passionate about this. It doesn't matter what's happening around you, whether it's in season or, what does he say? Or out of season. What in the world does that mean? Proclaiming God's truth when you know there's opposition. Proclaiming when you know you're going to get pushback. Opening your mouth and speaking God's words when you know the person that's listening is probably going to walk away and say, what an idiot. Or how judgmental. Or I did not agree with anything they said. How ignorant of them. And we proclaim the authority of God's word without apology. We don't apologize. I don't know when the last time that you have had an encounter. So maybe I'm speaking to, to somebody that maybe has been walking with Jesus for a while. Are there a few of us in the house? If you were more than a week old in the Lord, you've probably opened your mouth and said something that God has said and you just repeated what God said and then you were tempted in that moment because the response is not what you expected. All I said was, have you been there? Have you been there? All I said was just very simple, just very clear truth. And then, I don't know if anybody believes that uh, demons are real and that there is a real war going on, but when you look in the eyes of somebody that so despises 
the words that you speak when you're saying God's words and they're ready to fight and you swear that their eyes have turned red and that they have a forked tongue when they open their mouth and they so defy and so destroy everything that you just said, you are going to be tempted to, to backpedal, backpedal, backpedal. I, 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 didn't, I didn't mean to offend. I didn't mean to offend you. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And do you know what the most loving thing that I can tell you is? Unapologetic preaching. Unapologetic. No, I'm sorry. No, I'm sorry it hurt your feelings. No, I'm sorry that you're so upset about what I said is the most loving thing that you can do to be committed to unapologetic proclamation of God's word. Because I love you, I'm willing to allow tension in our relationship. I'm, I'm willing to be able to call you to repent and turn to Jesus, even if you hate me and despise me for all of the rest of our days. I love you too much to keep quiet because I'm a messenger. Somebody say, I'm a messenger. And we hear the phrase constantly of, don't, don't, don't shoot the messenger. I'm just the messenger. I'm just bringing it. Well, every week I get to step up and I get to at least model this is what it looks like to not apologize. And some, some of us are like, well, you probably should preach your dude, all right? What you said was kind of harsh and it was kind of too much. If I'm saying what God has said, then there is no need to apologize because we're not ashamed of the message. We are the messenger. But in our day, here's what's clear. We take a simple message and it comes into contact with a hard heart. Simple message, hard hearts. Simple message, hard hearts. Do you think that just happens out there? Somebody shake your head. Because regularly I have conversations with people that have walked into our church or throughout the years that I've interacted with one-on-one -on -one, and guess what the result was? Uh, I want nothing to do with it. I'm not coming back. I don't like what you said. I am so hurt and offended. You are so harsh and rude. And I want to simply ask, did I say anything that God didn't say? Did I say anything beyond what Scripture said? No, that's the problem. I disagree with God too. Okay, I'm not going to apologize because your problem is not between us. It's between you and Him. We're messengers. We're messengers. Even under fire, we are faithful. We're faithful. Somebody say, we're faithful. This is what we do. We faithfully, even when it's difficult and resisted and awkward, we are faithful. Here's the next thing that Paul says. What does he say? He says that we are to reprove, rebuke, and exhort. We are the church, which means we're bold. We're not silent. We're bold. We're not quiet. At any point, we are opening our mouths. When God says go, when God says speak, we do it. And even when it's really hard, reprove, rebuke, exhort. This echoes Paul's call to the church to confront ungodly behavior everybody ready for some for some addresses all right you write down the address you look it up later i'll at least give it to you now all right earlier just a chapter before in second timothy three sixteen, this is what paul says all scripture is breathed out by god it's profitable for teaching reproof correction and training in righteousness and then also in a few verses later here's where we have rebuke right reprove rebuke exhort this is a string of emphasis on relationships that when things are not going God's way, words need to be spoken to realign, to correct, and to bring people back. 1 Timothy 5.20, this is so awesome. If it wasn't enough that Paul wrote 2 Timothy, I hope that's a little bit of a clue that there might be a 
First Timothy, you're right, you're quick. I saw it, I saw it in your mouth. You're ready to ready to say it. There must be a first if there's a second. Do you know what he said in Second Timothy or in First Timothy five twenty that it repeats in Second Timothy? He says this: those who perish in sin should be reprimanded. What? They should be what? Uh, reprimanded, corrected, scolded. Where? In front of the whole church. <gasps> in front of who? Well, that sounds embarrassing. That, that sounds like a helpful correction that God calls. Why would he do this? Finish the verse. This will serve as a strong warning to others. Correction in the church needs to take place because everybody is watching. Is that where we start? Probably not. Is that where it may lead? Probably where did they get this from? Where is Paul getting this? And where did Timothy start passing this on from? Because they read, guess what, guess what, guess what? 39 of the 66 books in your Bible, right? Two-thirds of your Bible is in this thing called the, the Old Testament. The OT, yo. It's the OT. Somebody say it's the OT. Here we go. OT, OT, Old Testament. And there's this book called the Proverbs. And supposedly, if you were the wisest man who has ever lived and you wrote a book, sometimes some of us should pay more attention because we actually have an entire book of wisdom from the smartest man who ever lived. I, I hope you're into that. Are you into that? I, I'm into wisdom. Do you know what I found when I was researching some wisdom? Proverbs 3.12. Write it down. Proverbs 3.12. For the Lord corrects those that he loves. What does he do with those that he loves? He coddles them, right? For those that he loves, he ignores their sin. He overlooks it. He compares it with somebody else and really gets the bad guy and leaves you alone. Is that, is that what he does? The Lord corrects those he, he loves. Parents, grandparents, you know this to be absolutely true. If I love my child, correction is going to be happening not just once, not just once a day, probably all day long because I love them too much for them to turn out to be absolute fools. And if I even have a little bit of wisdom, I want to impart that. And that looks like correction, correction. Just as a father corrects a child in whom he delights. Do you believe that if you're a Christian, God delights in you? I hope you believe that. He delights in you. Do you know what he does with those he delights in? He corrects them. You're wrong. You're wrong. I love you. You're wrong. I love you. I delight in you. You're wrong. Those that love, correct. And it started with God. Did it stop there though in Proverbs 3? Is that the end of it? No, Proverbs 9, 8. Love it, love it. I hope you love this. Don't bother correcting mockers because they'll only hate you. Have you been there? If you're going to preach the word, here, here's the preparation. If you're going to proclaim, if you're going to open up your mouth, hate is going to hate, mockers going to mock. Do you know what happens? When you speak wisdom, when you speak the truth, it's going to go eh! real quick. Don't want to hear it. Don't want to hear it. Stop, stop, stop. Have you ever been corrected and your first instinct was shut it up? Stop judging me. Stop criticizing me. Stop attacking me. I don't want to hear it. And do you know why that's our instinct? Because we're fools in heart. Do you know what changes that? Being corrected over and over and taking heed to it and taking it not for granted and not rejecting it, but instead what? obeying the words that are being passed on from God to me that I'm going to do it. Don't bother correcting mockers. They're going to hate you. But, somebody say but. I love this. Correct the wise and they will love you. Oh man, I don't know whose verse that's going to be, but 
Correct the wise and they will love you. Correct the wise and they will love you. How can you tell the difference between someone that's a fool and someone that's wise? Correct them. Watch what happens. Can we get a little more personal? I wonder if this year, at any point in, if you're part of our small groups or just listening to the word being preached here on Sunday mornings, has there ever been a time when God was speaking directly to you and you just said, nope, nope, nope. And in Jesus' name, I would just say, repent from being such a fool. You're a fool. And do you know what some of the most beautiful moments in my life have been? When God has spoken so directly, so clearly to correct me. And what has risen up inside of me is just, I know. I know. That's me. I, I, I see it, God. I see it. Like what just happened to me during worship. I see it. And God said, get on your face. It's time. Not later. Right now. And in that moment, a choice. Obedience? Or am I going to push, push that off? Am I going to say, okay, we're dealing with this right now. It's such a beautiful thing to experience the joy of surrender, the joy of repentance, the joy of confession, the joy of being corrected and then submitting and surrendering and coming up underneath. I wonder, has this whole year, do you, you realize it's October, right? So I don't know if anybody told you that, but I remember us kicking off with an, a New Year's resolution 2023, okay? That was like last week, right? The year is almost over and I wonder if God has been speaking the word has been preached, proclaimed, counseled, has been encouraged, it's brought your way, and you have spent the whole year saying, nope, 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 enough, not right now, later, don't want it. And what if today you're just like, I am not going to allow not just this year to end, but I'm not going to allow this day to wrap up without finally rejecting the foolishness and the hardness so that I can hear the preaching of God's word, the boldness that comes my way, that I could be reproved, rebuked, and I could be exhorted easily, easily. And if you're going to take notes, I believe it's God's will for you to do so. Okay. If you're wondering, what is God's will for my life? Take notes. Here we go. We must provide loving correction. We have to, as a church, loving correction by exposing sin. That's what reprove means. If the church is commanded to reprove it means that we have to shine a light. If the church is a bright light, what does light do? It shines into darkness. It exposes evil. It exposes sin. Is that judgmental? No, that's love. Love exposes sin. What else does love do? It rebukes. It doesn't just say what you're doing is wrong. It also says this. Stop sinning. Stop. Stop. Every time you drive up to a stop sign, maybe for the rest of the week, at least every time that you see a stop sign, just want you to say out loud, stop, stop. God's getting your attention. Stop. Don't just think about it. Don't just consider it. Don't just have that sin exposed. Stop. It means turn away. I, I got to stop going in this direction, expecting different results. I keep doing it. I keep going down the same road. Rebuke means a loving brother or sister in Christ is willing to say, you need to confess that and repent of that. You need to turn away from that. It's got to end. It's got to end now. 
because I love you, it's time. You got to stop. How about this? To exhort or exhortation is urging righteousness. What in the world does that mean? Stop doing the bad, start doing the good. Clear? Stop doing that and start doing this. Don't just stop the bad habit. Start putting on a good one to replace it. The old has got to go. It's got to go. Somebody say it's got to go. The, the old has to go, but if you keep kicking out the old and leaving it empty, do you know what happens? It's worse. It gets worse. Well, once I, once I kicked that habit, why is it that I picked up this one? Why is it that when God got a hold of me about that issue in my life, all of a sudden now a new one pops up? Because when you clean out the house and leave it empty, uh, evil coming back in multiplies itself. And do you know what happens? We forget that the house has to be filled. And that's where exhortation, the exhortation is not just stop sinning, start living righteously, start living godly, stop with that. Let's walk together and start something brand new. Do you have a friend like that? Do you have a godly friend that's not just, you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong, sin, 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 but then they go, I'm not going to apologize about calling sin, sin, but it's time for us to start walking a new path that leads to new life, that leads to transformation. Are you ready for it? And what if today you could just say, I need help to figure out how to put on godliness. All I know how to do is to keep doing the old stuff, and I'm tired of it. Have you come to that place? It's just exhausting. It's exhausting hiding it. It's exhausting covering it up. It's exhausting pretending. Being a poser is exhausting. Being religious is exhausting. And today could be the day I'm, I'm done with all that. I'm going to start living the new exhortation. A preacher kind of harsh and unloving, and thank you for all that negativity, but I'm looking for positivity in my life. To proclaim the authority of God's word without apology is the most loving thing that I can do. It's the most loving thing that we can do together with one another. If we love each other, we care enough to risk. And here's my assumption. The vast majority of us in God's house today we don't have a problem taking a little bit of risk when it comes to self-seeking. When it comes to, I'm willing to take a little bit of risk if there's something for me. If there's something that, some kickback for me. There's a lot of things we do in our risk-taking because of what we can get out of it selfishly. And I wonder, when is the last time that you said, God, I'm willing to take the risk. I'm willing to risk. I'm willing to stick my neck out because I love my brother. I love my sister. And I'm willing to ask them the really hard question. And I'm, at, I'm asking you, God, help me to confront with love and grace. But I got to speak up. I got to say something. And I know not all of us really love the idea of confrontation. But God loves it so much because it leads to life. And I wonder if we're a church, if we are the church, that we would hate death so much that we would be willing to, with urgency, not stay quiet, but be bold. Somebody say, move on. Here we go. How about this? Number four, patiently. What else does Paul tell us? Do all of this. Do all, do all of what? Preach the word. Be ready in season, out of season. Reproof. Reprove. Re exhort. How are we supposed to do it? Patience. Teaching. Patience. Patience. Patiently. Patiently. Somebody say, be patient. Oh, if we're the church, we are patient with 
all, with everybody. This is the from the Greek word parakalesin, which means what? To support, to comfort, to aid, to come alongside, to be able to help. Because after you expose sin and you call out people to stop behaving badly, there needs to be a clear first aid kit ready, a first responder to say, are, are you ready to heal now? Now that everything's been broken and confronted and exposed, are you ready to start cleaning up this mess of the old life? All the consequences are still there. And we got to come alongside with patience, patience, patience. Does that come natural to anybody? Just a super patient person, just really patient, just patient. It's okay. It's okay. Anytime. And I, and I love that we have an entire generation rising up that uh, their, their number one value is tolerance and their, their number two value is chillaxing. And it's like just everybody just seems to chill, bro. Brah, 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 just chill. I just love him. He's so chill. He's so chill. I just love her. She's so chill, right? Right? Yeah, so chill, so chill. We love it when people are really, really chill with us. And God's saying, be like that with her. Be like that with him. Be patient. Be patient. Complete patience. Not a little bit, not a drop, an ocean of patience while you're teaching. For those in leadership, especially with faced so much opposition, this is so hard. That's why we need the power of the Holy Spirit uh, some of us have been in Galatians 5. Anybody, anybody been in Galatians 5 a little bit this past year? Galatians 5, we've had some studies going on. We've had some challenges to consider in our kids' ministry with our students over the past year to walk in the Spirit, to be filled with the Spirit, to produce fruit. And you know what? We have nine descriptions in Galatians 5. Paul's like, in order for you to live these things, you need the power of the Holy Spirit because you ain't got it in you. It's not in you. It's not in you. You ain't got it. You ain't got it. Turn to your neighbor and say, you ain't got it. All by ourselves, we cannot do this. What is the fruit of the Spirit? What's the evident, the manifestations that, that the Holy Spirit's in you is that it comes out of you, right? Everybody's a tree, okay? If, you're, if you are a Christian, what's growing on your tree? And it's love and joy and peace and it's patience and patience and patience and patience. Little emphasis here, patience and kindness, right? And, and goodness, faithfulness, self-control, where, where does that happen? How does that get produced? As you walk in the Spirit and no longer in the flesh, supernatural things start happening. Do you know what happens? You can actually walk with patience with people that you were so irritable and you had zero wick, right? Do you remember last week we talked about God is long-wicked. Long, 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 long-wicked. Long-suffering, patient, patient. And we're like, Spoon! What? Anybody have a firecracker accident July? Um, I thought the wick was longer. I thought I had more time. For many of us in our relationships, just anger and explosion and conflict and division. And guess what? That's you 100% injected with the flesh, baby. That's all you. That's what you do naturally. If you're a follower of Jesus, there's something awesome that happens that you now have the Holy Spirit and you grow in this thing called patience. Even with them? Yes, with them. Even with her? Yes, her. What about him? Especially him. If God is in you, God is going to produce fruit in you, and patience is one of them. And people that have only known living in sin their whole life and become brand new need the church to be really 
really patient. Are, are you just going to let them do that? Are you going to let them speak like that? And sometimes you are going to hear me say, be patient. Do you remember where you were? Where were you at last year? Should, should we re rewind the film 10 years ago? How are you doing, big boy? How are you doing? Yeah, but it's different. No, it's exactly the same. Meet them where they're at. Be patient with them all. If this is new for some of us, those of us that have been walking with Jesus for a while need to come alongside and say, we're going to talk about sin. We're going to confront it. But we're going to bring comfort as we live out this peace. Peace, patience, kindness, even when it's really, really hard. Unapologetic preaching is done in a certain way. It's bold. It's not quiet. But it's with complete patience. Complete patience. How about this? If you're taking notes, jot this down. Number two, number two. Somebody say number two. Oh, we're making progress. Love it, love it, love it. We prepare for rejection. Not only do we preach the word, what happens when we preach the word? What's the result? Rejection, rejection, rejection. Some of you, you're like, I've been a Christian for a while and I have never experienced anybody rejecting me. I don't know what you're preaching, but what are you saying? Because if you're saying what God has said, it doesn't take long before rejection becomes your normal way of life. The reason that many of us are experiencing opposition and rejection is because you are a wicked, unrepentant sinner that is experiencing consequences. But when you repent, when you turn away from the old and start doing the right, a fresh flavor of opposition comes. So you're saying that if I do wrong, I experience opposition and rejection. Yes, for the wrong reasons. So if I start following Jesus and do the right thing instead of the old wicked thing, isn't, isn't life going to get better? Uh, nope, nope. I don't know who lied to you. Okay, okay. The reason we preach the word here is because we're just in favor of honesty. Anybody in favor of honesty? Say I. All right, all right, all right. All those opposed say nay. Nope, there are no naysayers here. No. We want honesty. Honesty is when you start doing the right thing, opposition starts ramping up even more. Uh, can, can you show me that? Well, here we go. If we are passionate about proclaiming God's word, verse 3, here is where we are at, especially in our day. Verse 3, the time is coming when people will not endure. I can't handle it. I'm not going to tolerate it. What's that? Sound teaching. Solid doctrine. But, somebody say but. Here's the explanation. Having itching ears. Somebody get your ear a little bit. Oh, yeah, right there. Oh, yeah. Anybody want to get the leg going? Ugh. itching ears and they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. Verse 4, and they will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. Here's the bottom line. Most, most, most won't endure sound teaching, so they pursue suitable teaching. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? This whole row? You believe it? You believe it? More now, maybe than ever before, I'm not going to put up with that. I'm going to go find me somebody that can scratch me where I itch. Now more than ever, you have all of the buffet of teaching and preaching that you can find somewhere in some way. And you can say, I'm more comfortable with that. I just grew up this way, and that's just more suitable for me. And maybe your story is a little bit like mine. I grew up going to 
couple different churches on and off, nothing consistently, nothing regularly, a few times a year. And guess what happened? Over and over, I was exposed to one version of Christianity, and it wasn't super awesome. And it, it's not that it wasn't awesome because they were telling me the truth and they were pre- preaching the word. It wasn't awesome because they were teaching me a lot of dead traditions that are not in the Bible. They were preaching something altogether different than what the Word said. So when I became a Christ follower at 21, out of facing 20 years in prison and coming out of a jail cell, wondering how do I now live this Christian life, all I had to go off of was, well, I know one version of church, and I don't want that. And I wonder for some of us, we're in a place where we recognize maybe growing up or maybe the churches that I went to, maybe they didn't preach the word. Maybe they were doing something altogether different. And if they were, I would just say, not all churches are actually churches and not all churches are equal. Not all churches are committed to preaching God's word. And maybe you haven't actually tried the real thing, but you're still kind of opposed to the imitation because you think it's real. And maybe today you would just say, I, I've been exposed to something that wasn't the real thing. If you're going to reject Christianity, reject the real thing. Don't reject something altogether different. But that's not what he's talking about here. Everybody say, that's not what he's talking about. He's talking about when there is sound teaching, when there is rock-solid doctrine being taught, when the theology is right and we are all cylinders banging on God's Word, and then we go, I'm not sure about that. I don't know if I want that. I'm not sure that I can swallow that. That's what we're talking about here. It's not suitable. Teaching that that tickles ears is one that makes us feel good. It feels right. It feels comfortable. Teaching that condones my attitude currently, my lifestyle, hot topics, even my apathy. Do you believe that there are a lot of churches that you can go to, or I should say church services, church gatherings, where there is a gathering of the church. And if you're already apathetic and complacent, you could actually like come in, sit in the back row and fall asleep. And then when you hear amen at the end, you can pop up and go, okay. All right. And then you can just hit the street. You can do that for decades and decades and decades. And he's saying, when you hear sound doctrine, don't like it. I don't want anybody to raise their hand, but maybe that's you. I don't like what I'm hearing. I don't agree with this. This is not what I'm used to. This is not what I grew up with. This is not familiar. And guess what? For 2,000 years, people have been part of gatherings where they walked in and said, I don't agree with anything that's going on here. And I would just encourage, why don't you stay? That if God is really saying this, that you would soon submit to it and not run and find another teacher that's going to scratch where you itch. I love podcasts. Those that know me well know that uh, I'm kind of a resource junkie. So if you ask me about any topic, I can send you about 14 books, 80,000 podcasts, YouTube channels. And I've spent the past two decades plus sorting through all of the resources of who can I actually trust? What is sound teaching? What's sound doctrine? And the vast majority of the most liked, most hits, all the videos that go viral, the vast majority of them are absolute garbage they're scratching 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 and everyone's going Ooh, a little to the left oh right there that's it if you want to find a preacher that preaches his soapbox thing the springboard preacher that is really fired up about politics and he reads a verse 
and then politicizes for 40 minutes, you can find them. You're one click away. Isn't that awesome? Subscribe, subscribe and like, subscribe and like. If you are looking for somebody that only talks about the Holy Spirit, you can find 10,000 of them. Holy Spirit only. I thought, I thought the Trinity was a thing. No, no, no. Just Holy Spirit. Just Holy Spirit. You can find that guy and all he talks about is that thing, right? And you can even go as close to San Antonio. And if every week you want to show up and just learn about Jerusalem and the end times, man, every week you can listen to the same sermon recycled just about that one topic. If that is where you need a scratchy scratch, you can find it all around, in person or online. This is sound teaching. I need more of this. I need to chew on this for a while. Don't know where you're at, but I would just ask, have you had a steady diet of just your thing and listening only to what already affirms where you're at? Or are you willing to hear the word preached, the whole council, because fewer and fewer people are? And if you're a messenger... If you're a Christian, go ahead and lift up your voice and say, I'm a messenger. If I'm a messenger, that means I am going to be having conversations with people, telling them things that they don't want to hear and that they are going to revolt because they already have their steady diet that suits their own passions. But we're the church. Unapologetic preaching is a non-negotiable. We don't apologize for what God has said. We say it, even though many reject it. So here we go. If you're into lists, I got a list for you. Everybody say, yippee. I know you're super excited. Are you one that rejects the truth? Do you reject it? Well, how would I know if I reject the truth? Here's a litmus test. Do I allow my emotions to drive my beliefs? Do I react in opposition when called to repent? If somebody says, you need to change, you need to turn, you need to get right with the Lord. And you say, this feels so right. If it feels right, it is right. Leave me alone. Do I take offense to hard teaching? We only cover the easy stuff here, right? I mean, if you've been coming for a number of weeks, you're like, man, there's no controversy going on in any of the scriptures that we proclaim. Somebody say that's not true. There are hard teachings, and we're committed to expository preaching, which means most of the time we're going through a book, and that means I'm just going to say what comes next in the next verse and the next verse. And a lot of times it's hard to hear. It's hard to hear. Do you believe that, that your pastor knows that it's hard to hear? Yes, I'm very aware of the difficulty that it is. Certain teachings are really, really hard. But are you opposed? Are you constantly offended? I'm offended by what you said. I'm offended. I'm offended. That hurt my feelings. And say, is it something that I said or that God said? Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's in the Bible. Okay. So God is in the business of hurting people's feelings so he can rescue them from eternal torture. He's in the business of hurting some feelings so that he can bring you into proximity and have an intimate relationship. He's willing to say hard things to you so that you would choose life instead of death. But are you offended by that? How about this? Do I explain away what I don't like? I really don't. I don't agree with you. I don't like it. And this is why I'm right and you're wrong. And let's have a conversation about how I explain that away. And that, that's a problem. How about do I shop around the church mall? Well, this church is awesome, and it, I mean, for a while, right? And if uh, there's ever any hard teachings, I get offended, or I'm called to repent, or if my emotions say no, I'm out! I'm done! Because I'm going to go to the church next door, and then if they offend me or upset me or teach me, and I would just say, stop dating the church. Stop sleeping around in God's house. Commit. Commit to God's people. Commit to God, even when it's hard. Do I browse online for tastier teaching? Do you know how many times after preaching for the past 18 years, do you know what's awesome? 
the number of times that people have said, hey, preacher, those, those are pretty good message, but uh, have, you, have you heard of my favorite pastor? You need to listen to a little bit of him. Maybe, maybe that'll rub off on you a little bit. You need to listen to that guy. And I'm like, oh, he's tasty, isn't he? Mm, I like that, yeah. I'm sorry I lack that seasoning, and I know you're like really fired up about that particular flavor, right? I know, I know it's hard to swallow some of the things I say, and he's just smooth. It just all goes down. And you can browse and browse and browse and browse to your detriment. And I would just say, don't. Don't do that. How about this? Do I elevate my opinions? I know God's word says that, but, but I don't care. I don't want to hear it. I've already made up. Don't, don't confuse me with the facts. I'm already decided. I'm committed on where I'm at. Well, have you actually studied what God said about that topic? I don't need to because my opinion is so awesome and I have thought so little, but I think so highly about that area of my life that I've already cemented it. It's not wet, concrete, solid, unmovable. Don't try to persuade me. And I would just say, where, where are you itching that, that you want me to scratch? Because we're just going gonna to go with God's thing. So how do I reject the truth? I think we reject it in a lot of different ways that we don't even realize. And what if today we could say, I'm done, I'm done. So how do I actually receive the word? Enough of the negative. Somebody say enough of that. Here we go, here we go, here we go. How do I receive it? If the teaching is consistent with the Bible and the preacher or the teacher takes the task seriously, then here's a few ways. I obey God's correction because it's not them correcting me. God's correcting me and I'm willing to obey. I submit to God's will. If you're able to see from God's word, this is actually God's will, not that. I'm going to submit. I'm going to submit. I agree with God's verdict. Well, I've never heard that in growing up. I've been very confident about that stance. Well, what if you saw that God's verdict on it is really, really clear in Scripture and repeated? You know what's awesome? That we can just freely, by the power of the Holy Spirit, in all humility, just say, I'll follow that. If that's what God's word says, I'll follow that. Even though it's hard for me, even though that's new, I will follow what Scripture says. I'll follow God's lead. If he's leading me there, I'll go. I surrender to God's rule. He's the boss. He's the king. And I'm going with him. And lastly, somebody say, land the plane. Okay, number three, we finish the work. We finish the work. Finish, finish. Verse five, as for you, always, 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 siempre, be sober-minded. How often sometimes? No. Always be sober-minded. Always endure suffering. Always do the work of an evangelist always fulfill your ministry. So this final words of, of Paul here is absolutely clear as he's challenging young Timothy, thinking about the church, thinking about leadership in the church. This is the call on your life. All of our leaders, all of our teachers, all of our disciple makers, for each one of us, may this be such an encouragement. Sobriety, endurance, gospel, faithful. Loving confrontation when the word is not believed or obeyed. Instructing, encouraging, and exhorting one another in the word. Diligently reading and studying the Bible together. Praying for one another daily. There is a ministry to fulfill.